All right, today is the last part of our series in Hebrews 11. And uh, Hebrews 11 has been teaching us that faith is not blind. It's not blind faith. Faith is sight. It's sight with a different set of eyes. It's assurance. It's conviction. It's clarity. Sometimes, uh, or, or often, the th- the things that we can see through the eyes of faith are more real than what we see with these eyes. Um, and that's, that's one of the, the, the dominating ideas in Hebrews 11. Now, Hebrews 11 has been going through stories of the Old Testament. And so we are just going to continue and just jump in right at verse 29 and then continue for the rest of the chapter. So, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Now, I don't have time to go through each story, but I thought the one about Jericho um, illustrates something really, really well that the author is getting at in a pretty dynamic way. So I want to tell a little bit of that story more. I just want you to imagine Joshua on the eve of battle, okay, and he's telling his men, his warriors, his generals, the game plan. Here is Joshua, and there's all these leaders, and they're having this little huddle, you know, so he's looking at them right in the eyes. You imagine, he's like, men, lean in. Here is the game plan. On day one, we are going to walk around the city. You know, the men are like, yeah, intimidation, walk around the city. And on day two, we're going to walk around the city again. Okay. And then on day three, we're going to, and the men are like, let me guess, walk around the city. It's like, yeah, 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 that's right. Walk around the city. Every day, we're going to walk around the city. Now check this out. Here's Joshua looking at his men. And on day seven, everyone's kind of leaning. And here it comes. On day seven, we are going to walk around the city seven times. His men are like, seven times. Okay, seven times. And then then we're all going to shout. And then the men are like, please tell me there's more to this plan. And Joshua, no, that's it. That's all I got. That's all the Lord has revealed. So... As crazy as this plan sounds, that's exactly what they did. On day number one, they walked around the city. On day number two, they walked around. On day number seven, they went around seven times, and then they shouted, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Now, are you kidding me? That's the plan? Walk around and shout? Now, you just imagine that the author of Hebrews is saying, I want you to remember what faith in God can accomplish. Remember those old stories. They're so inspiring. Amazing things can happen when you rely on the power of God. It's such a basic lesson. Amazing things can happen when we rely on the power of God. Now, I think what makes the Jericho story so compelling is that all the Israelites had zero control of dismantling the wall. That was clearly 
all God. And so there are so many places in our lives where we feel like we have zero control. Our kids, our work, certain relationships. You just imagine the author saying, remember what amazing things, amazing things can happen when the people of God have faith. Verse 31, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now notice that Rahab is the second woman mentioned in this chapter. Notice what she did for a living. But by giving safe passage to the spies, she put her life at risk. It was a tremendous act of faith. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Barak, <laughs> Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Now again, I don't have time to tell every story, but I think one is worth illustrating a bit more. It's the story of Gideon. It's very compelling. Gideon went to battle with 32,000 people against the Midianite army. Now, back then, the Midianite army had upgraded technology. Do you know what that was? It was uh, camel, camels, camel warfare. For real, that's what they had. They had camels. Um, Gideon was outnumbered by this vast army four to one with camels. Okay? Now, check this out. If Gideon had won this battle, Gideon and his army might have been tempted to think that they did it by their own power, like they are that good, right? And so God gives Gideon instructions, and Gideon says this to his men. Now, I just want you to imagine Gideon is standing before 32,000 of his warriors, and he says, now who of you, I'm paraphrasing, who of you is scared? Okay, 22,000 men raise their hands. Like, honestly, they're turning to it. Yes, I'm scared. You scared? I'm scared. Okay, and Gideon says, all right, basically God has told me if you're scared, go home. 22,000 men go home. 10,000 are left. God in his wisdom feels that this is still too much for Gideon and his ego. So God gives Gideon further instructions, and Gideon says to his men, look, there's a river over there. Why don't we all go take a drink? And so they go and take a drink. And then again, I'm paraphrasing, but Gideon says to his men, now, how many of you, when you took a drink, cupped the water to your hands and brought it to your mouth? You know, 300 men raise their hands. Okay. And then Gideon, you know, he's like, what the rest of you do? They, they plunge their heads into the water. Okay, you losers, right? And so 300 men, you come to me. And all the rest of you just go home, for real. Go home against 120,000 of the enemy. Now, people with this story, they, they, they wonder what's the meaning behind the cupping of the hands. And I think it's a little bit like a modern-day like version of this. was like, how many of you, like here in this room, prefer IT boba? Raise your hands. None of the four here. How many of you prefer T-Way? You can only choose between the two. 
Okay, so more for T-Way. Okay, all you T-Way people, just go home. And the it, 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 it's just random. It's just a way of, like, reducing, reducing to 300. Gideon starts with 32,000 men. God says, too much, too much, too much. Reduces it to 300. And with 300 men, Gideon attacks and defeats the Midian army of 120,000 with camels. Are you kidding me? It's a different example, but it is the same message. Remember what faith in God can accomplish. Even when you feel like the odds are stacked up against you, even when you feel like there is no way that we can do this. Amazing, amazing things can happen when you rely on the power of God. The lesson is really that simple, and it's really that powerful. Amazing things can happen when you rely on the power of God. Verse 33. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire. Now, I want you to pay particular attention to the next one escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. Okay, so the author is like, look at the power of faith in God. Look at what faith in God can accomplish. And during this series, we talked about many ways to apply Hebrews 11. So this is a little bit of a review. You remember my friend who was radically generous and in faith basically gave away her stimulus check. It's uh, Caitlin who is saying God is always the better choice and choosing to spend time with him. It's Stephen giving his life to the mission field and I can't believe it. He was on screen talking about possible martyrdom. It's David Liu putting his life in harm's way in order to care for others as a physician. These are all acts of faith. These are all feats of faith. And there's still more ways to walk by faith. Some of you feel that God is calling you to share about Jesus at school or at work. And if you're honest, it's kind of scary to do that in the Bay Area because we feel like people don't want to hear it. And we're afraid to stand out. That's a real issue. Some of you feel like for the first time, because of COVID-19, God is calling you to be a homeschooling dad, amen, or a homeschooling mom, and no one saw, no one saw this day coming. You're, you're thinking, can I go through this day and not lose it, you know? You're going to need faith. Maybe some of you are called to step out of your house to go to work or to school or to come to the church office, and it's scary because it's a COVID-19 world out there. All of these require faith. And the author is like, look at the power of faith in God. Look at the amazing things that faith in God can accomplish. You feel out of control. You feel like the odds are against you. It's okay. Be bold. Take risks. Step out in faith. Now, I wanted to point out one last thing before we go to the next verse. I want you to look at verse 34. 
One of the things that you can do by faith is you can escape the edge of the sword. I think the author was probably thinking of Elijah. So the queen, Jezebel, after um, Elijah's showdown at Mount Carmel, basically said, I'm paraphrasing, may God, may the gods deal with me if by this time tomorrow I do not have your head on a stick. Now this is the queen and all of her resources basically putting her own life down on the line saying, I'm coming to get you. Now, Elijah ran for his life. I want you to think of like Dash from The Incredibles, okay? He ran, just like super ran, and escaped from the sword. Now, you see Elijah escaping from the sword, and the scripture is going to take a very radical turn here, so um, join me in this. Now, okay, some, 35b, were tortured. You're like, what? Some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All right, wait a second. What just happened here? What just happened here? I mean, we went to Jericho where the walls came tumbling down and Gideon defeated 120,000 with 300 men, even Elijah with his like flash legs outrunning the sword. Look at what faith in God can accomplish and you you know all these warriors like who are right and now what you get is like torture mocking flogging chains imprisonment stoning sawn in two killed with the sword I, I, I thought one verse ago that faith makes you escape from the sword and now someone is being killed by the sword and so what in the world is going on here You see, faith in God has no guarantee that we will not suffer. Sometimes by faith you escape and you live. Sometimes by faith you suffer and die. Sometimes by faith you suffer and you endure. I mean, in our culture, we love the story where a person walks around Jericho and then the walls came come crashing down. We love the miracle story, but perhaps the greater story is the person who suffers even for their faith and is able to endure, is able to have peace and poise and joy because they have an eternal perspective. Perhaps that's a greater miracle. What verse 35 shows us is that the way you handle suffering has everything to do with what you believe about your future. Look at verse 35. Some were tortured and refused to accept release. In other words, the authorities came up to them and said, look, we will let you go if you say you no longer believe. If you walk away from your faith in God, we will let you go. But they refused to accept release. In other words... They refused to give up their faith. Why? So that they might rise again to a better life. You see, your ability to handle suffering has everything to do with what you believe about your future. There's a story of two men who were captured 
and thrown into a dungeon. Just before they went into prison, one man was told that his wife and his child were dead. And the other one learned that his wife and his child were alive and waiting for him. And so in the first couple of years in prison, the first man basically just wasted away, just curled up and died. But the other man endured. He stayed strong. He kept on going on. And 10 years later, he walked out a free man. The point is that both of these men were in the same dungeon, the same circumstances, but their minds were set on two very different futures. You see, how you handle suffering now has everything to do with what you believe about the future. And here's the thing. There are a lot of people in the Bay Area who believe that this life is all you get. When you die, you rot. There are people at work and people, your relatives and people at school who believe that when you die, you rot. And this life is the only happiness that you will get. That someday the sun is going to die and everything that we know will be gone and nobody will remember anything that anyone has done. So when suffering comes, man, it's just too much to bear. But Hebrews 11 is talking about a very, very different future. A future where we will rise to a better life. There is belief in a new heaven and a new earth and a judgment day where everything wrong will be set right and every injustice accounted for where there is a future of endless, endless joy. You see, how we handle the dungeons of this life has everything to do with what we believe about our future. And and I know with COVID-19 and shelter in place, honestly, we feel like it's a dungeon. We feel like it's a slow death. And then there's like racial injustice and then there's fires that are burning our state down. And and a lot of us, we don't wanna complain about how bad we have it because we know that other people have it far worse. But honestly, we're just not very happy. Something's missing. Joy is missing from our lives. And I just want to remind everyone today that one day in the future, you will rise to a better life. There is a day when everything will be set right. Your future is going to be one of endless, endless joy. When was the last time you thought about that? Now, I, I know that young people... Um, tend to think that this is so, so far away, it's not even worth thinking about. And I just want you to know that there used to be a time in our church's life where I used to be like the young person, the young people. I was exclusively the young people. Uh, Calvin used to call me uh, a young punk. And uh, now I am not the young punk I used to be. Now I'm an I'm an old punk, you know? My point is that it's much closer than you think. It is much, much closer than you think. Um, on my first missionary trip to Naga, India, uh, Jonathan, I think it was day number three, surprised us. And Jonathan is my friend from City Team, and he founded this orphanage. Anyway, on day number three, he, like, took us to this backwater, backwater place to go and see his nieces. Now, I had no idea what to expect. He didn't explain this to us, 
But there we were, like, in the backwater of Ukrul, and we met four of his nieces, four sisters, and each of them was born blind. So you imagine we walk up to the front porch, and this family is very poor, and four sisters are blind, and what we saw was the last thing we were expecting to find. One sister pulls out a guitar, and they all started to sing about their faith in God. And I was thinking about what it must be like to be one of the sisters. I mean, you couldn't go for a walk and look around. You couldn't just sit down at a table and look at the person that you're eating next to. You couldn't read or cook or watch TV. And here I am in, in, you know, in sheltered in place, and I'm, I'm struggling to be happy. And here these women can't even see. As I was watching this video, I realized, no, hold it, these women can see. They were just seeing things with a different set of eyes. They could see the hope of heaven. They knew that one day they would rise to a far better life. And even though they were suffering in this life, what they had to offer was a song of hope. I want you to go ahead and take a look. So, um, funny story, you know, that, that, um, 
that part where Om, Om Sam looks like he's worshiping. Actually, it was drizzling that day, and so he thought he would just kind of like fun to collect the drizzle on his hands. <laughs> um, someone once said that you don't know what you have in Jesus until Jesus is all that you have. Verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Last part, last verse. The author goes back to this point. All these heroes, all these heroes of faith, they did not receive what was promised to them in their lifetime. I mean, they received the small promises of lives, of their life, like walls of Jericho um, crashing down. But they never received the big promise. You're like, what's the big promise? Well, wait for it. It says, since God had provided something better for us, which refers to what Jesus made possible by dying on the cross. Jesus, the superior son of God, died on the cross to make the big promise available. What is that? What is that big promise? Well, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Okay, now, what, what is he talking about? Let me try to illustrate. And um, this is probably my favorite illustration. So um, what, what I have with me right here is, um, Frank, can you have this thing? Really? Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, what I have here is my um, rope illustration, right? Now, I use this often, but I use this often because I think about this. This is how I think. Hebrews 11 makes me think this way. Now, what this rope illustrates is the timeline of your life, okay? This is like your life, or these are all of our lives. Now, if you look on the very end right here, basically what you see is this black tape, okay? Now, this black tape is life as you know it, right? Life as you're living in it right now. Now, I want you to imagine a dot on this black tape, and that's your life right now. You are on the dot, okay? You are on the dot. Now, if you look right there um, at that point where the black meets the yellow, at that point in the timeline of your life is when Jesus comes back, and that is what Hebrews 11, uh, verse 40, is talking about. That's the moment that you are made perfect. Now, what we're talking about is when Jesus comes back, you are going to be made perfect. But it says you won't be made perfect apart from the Old Testament heroes, and they won't be made perfect apart from you. We are going to be made perfect together as a community, as one. So at that moment, you will receive a new heavenly body. At that moment, you are going to receive a new self. You are going to be perfectly sinless. At that moment, heaven is going to come to earth. God is going to be with his people. And what happens at that point is that this endless, endless joy goes on for all of eternity. And Frank, if you can just keep on going down that rope. Now, this rope, believe it or not, goes all the way to China. No, I'm joking. This rope just 
goes on and on for endless, endless, endless. So, so here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. A lot of people are looking at this tape and they're just thinking about the next 20 years of their life or maybe the last 20 years of their life. And it's all focused on this and all focused on this. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, we're not seeing the eternal perspective. What about the first 20 million years of our lives? What about the life that goes on for eternity? Now, here's the thing. On this tape, there will be suffering. There will be very, very hard times on this tape. But if you know the endless joy for eternity, then you can endure. You can keep going. And in this life, there will be opportunities for risk. There will be opportunities for sacrifice. There will be opportunities to leave stuff behind, even suffer for Christ. But it's all worth it because you know that you have a future of endless, endless joy. This is how Hebrews 11 orients our lives. It is like live life for the eternal perspective. Live life for eternity. Live life for the endless joy. And so maybe the word for you this morning is to endure. You're going through a hard time. You can make it through. COVID-19 is hard. You can do this in faith. Because how you handle right now has everything to do with what you know about the future. And maybe there's an opportunity that God has called you to. Maybe there's an opportunity to risk. Maybe there's an opportunity even to sacrifice. It is so worth it. Why? Because of the endless joy, because you know where you're going to be and who you're going to be with for all of eternity. It's a game changer. Please pray with me. Father, I I thank you for this series in Hebrews 11. It's challenging. There's not a lot of people who think this way. Help us to be conformed to this kind of thinking. Help us to really believe, really, really believe in this future destiny with Christ and then to start leveraging, and then to start being radical, and then to start sacrificing as you call us to sacrifice and to endure as you call us to endure. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that on this journey, we are not alone. Our eyes are upon you, and in your name we pray. Amen. Well, today we are coming to the Lord's Supper, and so we want to... Remember the greatest miracle of all. The greatest miracle of all is not something that we do out of faith. It is something that has already been done for us. Jesus died on the cross. And so the greatest miracle is that God himself would come down and give up his life for us. We need to remember this as often as we can, and that's why we come to the Lord's Supper. For all you at home, You can take the bread, you can break it, and you can remember the words of Jesus who said, this is my body broken for you. And then you can take the juice. 
and you can pour it. You can take the bread and dip it in the juice. And remember the words of Christ who said, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this. Take this bread, dip it in the juice and ingest it. Do this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of my great sacrifice. And that your whole life be molded, be shaped by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for you. Do this right now in remembrance of Jesus. And Father, I pray that all the people at home, as they take the bread, as they take the elements, would remember your grace and that our lives would be molded and shaped and transformed by your grace and to be more and more and more just like you. In your name we pray. Amen.